check, check. Can y'all hear me? Yeah? All right, good, good, good. Woo! All right, hey, we want to speed this along, not because we want to rush through this, but out of respect for you and this heat and the time. Um, we also have some fun things coming. Uh, and so if, uh, we're going to jump right into the Word. Uh, and y'all, this is a big day. This is a big day. Like, this is exciting. I haven't met you yet. My name is Slim. I'm a pastor here at Mosaic. Um, but for us, this is a big day for our church because this is the first time in the history of Mosaic, if you didn't know we're a church plant, only a year and a half old, the first time in the history of our church plant that we get to have a baptism. You can honk your horns for that one. Yeah. Yeah, we're excited about that. We're super excited about that because what that means is something deep is happening here. Like something big is happening right here. That It means that God is at work, that he's doing something. And I think we all desperately are wanting to see that. And he's going to do something here today, right here. So we're excited about that. Now, whether you grew up in the church or not, if I asked you, you know, what is baptism? You might go, hmm, <laughs> why don't you explain it to me like I'm eight years old? And maybe I'd say something like, baptism is a sacrament, wherein with the washing with the water in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, uh, does signify and seal our engrafting into Christ and our partaking of the benefits of the covenant of grace and our engagement to be the Lord's. And you might go, okay. <laughs> How about you explain it to me like I'm five years old? And so that's what we're going to do today. That's what we're going to do. We're going we're to break it all down so that we can understand what we're actually doing here. Um, and we're not only going to look at what baptism is, we're going to experience it. Every one of us gets to experience this baptism in, in a little way as, as we, we experience it while watching someone be baptized today. And so we get to all be reminded of our own baptisms. And so it's, it's a, an exciting day. I'm, I'm so thrilled to be here. And, and also, it's, it's exciting that both Aaron and, and Andreas, your, your baptism is going to preach a far better sermon than I will ever preach right? Your baptisms, all of your baptisms preach this beautiful, visceral, visual sermon for us to understand what is going on here, the, the present reality of God's power to, to rescue men and women from their sins and to call back his own. And so when I hear your story of salvation, it, it edifies me. It, it, it encourages me. And, I, and I'm reminded that your story is my story that we can identify with this together. And so there may be some here today who, who actually have never believed and put their, foot, their hope and faith in Jesus, and by, by watching what happens here, they're able to, to see it and go, that's what this is. That's what God is doing. It gives a picture for it. And so I just want to say, buckle in, strap up. <laughs> we're going to see what baptism is. And so we're going to look at it in three ways. We're going to look at the sign of baptism. We're going to look at the seal of baptism and the call. Of baptism. So sign, seal, call. And we're going to look at Matthew 28. Uh, if you have Bibles, I'd love for us to have screens, but you wouldn't be able to see it because of the sun. Um, but we'd love to show that to you. But if you have Bibles, Matthew 28, 19, goes like this. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Y'all, this is the word of the Lord. And all God's people said, 
Thanks be to God. If you're not here yet, I'm sorry. We don't have that printed. <laughs> we'll get that habit and rhythm going. All right, let me, let me pray for this. Father, we ask that we would hear from you this morning. This is your word, not ours, not mine. And so we, we want to have your words shine off the page, unpack what baptism is for each of us here. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so the sign of baptism. All right, if you've ever entered the state of Texas um, from outside, if you, if you gr didn't grow up here, you're pretty shocked at how enormous this state is. It's just oddly big. Like, it's just weirdly big. Now, if, you're, if you've been raised in Texas, you kind of become numb to that. But I, I just want you to think about this. There, there is a sign that you, as you enter Texas from Louisiana on, on I-10, how many have seen this sign that says, El Paso, <laughs> from Louisiana to the very end of the state. And so they're giving you an, an idea of how far you got to go <laughs> to get from one side of Texas to the, the other side. How many of you have seen that sign? How many miles do you think it is? It's, it's, it's ludicrous. <laughs> All right. You're entering, you're entering, at first it says Beaumont, 23 miles. And you're like, cool. All right, I can manage that. El Paso. 857 miles. Texas, you're just showing off. 857 miles for one state. I mean, it's crazy. Like, and you might be asking, how long would that take to get from one end of Texas to the other? Well, I did the work for you. I looked it up on my maps. It takes you, if you're driving, 12 hours to get to the end of your own state. 12 hours. Kristen and I lived in North Carolina for five years, and we we could drive five out. We could drive five hours in any direct. No, no, I'm saying it wrong. We could drive two hours in any direction, and we could be in five different states. We drive 10, 12 hours, and we're still in the same state. It's ridiculous. Like Texas is crazy, and and the sign is crazy. I don't know why it's there, but that sign for El Paso. It, it's not actually El Paso. I think that's clear, right? <laughs> it's that far away. But it's a sign for it. And so a sign points to something beyond itself. In the same way, baptism is not salvation, but it's pointing to something beyond itself. It, it's pointing to the benefits that we receive by faith from Christ. And so signs are crucial in the Bible, right? Si signs are, are all over. And a few weeks ago, if you were watching with us online, we talked about the signs of covenants. Do you remember these? You know, so you had, you had Abraham who's, who's begging from the Lord saying, you're like, how do I know that we're for real, for real? How do I know that you're going to keep your promise uh, that, that you will provide land and children for me? And God says, I will make a covenant with you. And the sign of that covenant, that this contract, the sign of that is going to be circumcision. And so that sign points to a greater reality. Uh, with Noah, when, when God promises to not flood the earth, although we could use a little rain, when God promises to not flood the earth ever again, he gives the sign of a rainbow and says, I promise, and that sign is going to remind you that I will never flood the whole earth ever again. And so signs are important. They, they may not be the, the actual substance, but they point to the substance. That circumcision uh, pointed to the God who promises for his blood to cover us. 
Like, and, and so the question is, what does baptism signify? What, is it, what does it point to? Well, baptism points us to our need and also to a God who promises to wash and to cleanse us. The water symbolized washing, right? Like it symbolized the cleansing that God promises to do for every single one of us. It's a sign that we know we're dirty. And that word, and, and that word here in the Greek uh, from here, this Matthew passage, that word there is baptizo. And that word, it means to cleanse, to wash, to scrub, right? So that word is, it's kind of a weird word for our, our world today. If we, if we ever use the word baptism, we seem to be only talking about um, church, but it, that was a common word in their day, right? Like that, that, that was something that, that would be used quite often. You know, they say something like, man, you need to baptize your hair. <laughs> you smell rank, <laughs> right? So that baptism was like that. And so, <laughs> which makes the, the Great Commission even, even more funny, it seems, um, because he says, go make disciples and, you know, maybe take a bath. Uh, <laughs> go make disciples and not just cleanse the physical, right? He's saying, and baptizing them, scrubbing them clean spiritually. And the, the, the scandal of baptism, though, is what do we do with people who are pretty good? Who, who, like the Pharisees who were good. What do we do about them? And the scandal is he's saying you have to baptize everyone. They, too, need to repent. They, too, smelled funky. Not, maybe not physically, although that very well could have been the point. But spiritually, they needed it. We all need this water. We all need to be washed and scrubbed in our spiritual bath. And baptism is a sign that points to the reality that if you are in Christ, you are washed and made clean and made anew, and you are spotless. Because spiritually, Christ has made you spotless, and he continues to make you that way to this day. And so that water symbolizes a washing away of that rank stain of sin. And so it's a sign, but it's also a seal. Now, in, in Acts 2, Peter uh, preaches this fantastic sermon, in, in, in the first sermon in the history of the church. And the text says that the people there were cut to the heart, meaning they were, they were undone. Uh, they were blown away by what Peter had to have said. And, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What do we do to believe? He says, repent. You know, turn away from your sins wholesale, and some of you have done that, but what's next? Be baptized. It's like an engagement ring on your finger. It's a sign, but it's also a seal. Now, when I say seal, I don't want you to think seal like you know, your, your leftover food and Tupperware that you need to seal tight. Um, that's not what we're talking about here. I want you to think of, of God's stamp. His, like an official seal on an official document, maybe a diploma. Um, when, when, when kings would send letters or correspondence, they, they would close their letters. Instead of licking it shut, because they didn't have that, they, they would take a, a, a dollop of, of wax and put it on, on there so that the wax would harden. But then they would take their signet ring and they would seal the contents with their ring so that people would know that if this thing had been opened, it may have been tampered with. But when it's been waxed shut with a king's seal, it is promising his authenticity that it is his words. These are my words. This is my seal. And so baptism is a seal that you are his. I have co-signed on this human being. 
I, God, have publicly said that they are in my covenantal family. And so God is saying, I'm not going to treat you like some side hustle that I'm ashamed about. He's not saying you're the embarrassment of the family that I won't bring into family pictures. That's not what's happening here. He's saying, I'm publicly identifying myself with you. And you are publicly identifying yourself with him. It is this seal that you are his. So, I mean, how angry would you be if you were married and your spouse said, you know, I don't really want to tell anyone else that we're married. I kind of want to keep it between us. And so I'm just going to take this, this wedding ring off. I, don't, I mean, we're still in a relationship, but I don't want to tell anyone. And so I'm going to hide my wedding ring. What? <laughs> no. Never. <laughs> right? It's a sign of a greater reality and a seal that I'm yours. That's why some of you guys like putting big old diamond rings on, on fingers, trying to say, stay away. <laughs> Taken. Right? This ring on your finger, this baptism is a sign and seal that God's saying is, stay away, Satan. That's what Luther would say when he he felt Satan coming after him. He'd say, Satan, I've been baptized. Stay away. It, it It is this seal that I am God's. Now, just like my wedding ring, it's it's not marriage. This ring doesn't mean marriage. It's a sign that points to the greater reality. But it's also a seal. And yeah, this ring does does not make one legally married, but it demonstrates that you have a covenant with a spouse. I'm, I'm no more married when I wear my ring than when I don't, but I want to wear it. I want to signify the relationship. I want to show the seal of our relationship. The wedding ring has changed my relationship status to being in a relationship. In the same way, baptism changes your status to in a relationship. It demonstrates that I'm in a covenantal relationship with Christ. And so have you gone public with your relationship with Christ yet? Have you you made it public? Jesus is not our side chick that we're ashamed to make public, right? What are we waiting for? This is where this brings the call of baptism. If you're ever curious why we baptize, why does the church do this? Well, it's, it's very clear because this passage that we just read, Jesus is super explicit in commanding us to do it. It says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. And so we're just following Christ's direct commands to do so. And so there, there's a lot of things the church can do, but are we doing what Jesus is explicitly saying we, we should do? I mean, there's... You can think of your church or your, your, your last church. You can say, like, oh, we did a lot of great things, but are, are, we, are we making disciples? Are we, are we baptizing new believers? I mean, I fear that every church, ours included, are, is easily swayed and loses sight of this call of the urgency to go and make disciples of all nations and to baptize. I think we have to feel the urgency what Jesus has here. Say, go. It's his command. When Paul first believed... After he had been after his he had been blind and his sight returns, he comes to a man named Ananias, and who, who was speaking with Paul in, in Acts twenty two sixteen. He says, "And now, Paul, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins. Call on his name." Oh, I love this passage. Why do you wait? What are you waiting for? Death could be knocking on your door tomorrow. Why do you wait? Wherever you're at, 
Why do we wait? Jesus could come back at any moment, and if he comes back and we haven't put our hope and faith in him, I hate to think of it. I hate to think of what that means. Why do we wait? And he says, rise, believe, and be baptized. Take action, wash away your sins. And so call on his name, oh Lord. Call on him. I mean, this is one of the chief reasons we wanted to plant this church. Because we see when church plants, we see, we see more baptisms and more, more, more people making professions of faith. And so we want to hear from more people like we're going to hear from today. We want to hear more of these stories of people who say, I was once blind, but now I can see. We want to see lives changed and people moved to rise and to be baptized. In Acts 8 later, you have the, you have the, the African Ethiopian eunuch who comes to faith while riding with Philip in his chair, and he says, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? Oh, I love that. Why can't we do it? I mean, do you feel the desperation? What prevents us from doing this? That's the desperation that I think that we all need, that I need this. As much as I need water to drink, and you guys may need some water. We have some ice waters afterwards if you need some. As much as we need that water, we need the water to be cleansed spiritually. So, remember, this is a sign that points to something greater, and it's the sign that you, you can receive grace and mercy from our Savior, that I can be forgiven. And so, do you, do you want to believe? Do you want to believe and to be saved? I would tell you, if you don't believe, don't waste today. Don't waste it. Don't waste another second not knowing our Lord and Savior and so the two things that you need to know to do that are to say that I am a great sinner. You've got to confess that. I'm a great sinner. But two, that Christ is a great Savior. And if we can affirm those two things, that, that drastically changes our whole eternity. We're not going to ask you to come up here today and make a profession of faith and get baptized right on the spot. No. But you can come and pray with us afterwards. And we can meet with you and talk with you. And so... We want you to do that. We want you to make that and, and to not wait. But if you've already done that, if you've already put your faith in him, maybe today you're worried that you've ruined it all. You're like, I did that, but I feel like spoiled milk, that I've gone rotten. Today I want you to look at the baptisms that happen here today, and I want them to preach a sermon to your soul I want them to remind you that it is, it is God washing us clean, not us washing ourselves clean. It is God's work. Let them remind you that it is all his work. That he washes you clean and he delights and sings over you. And so, yeah, he knows you're a great sinner already, but he's a great savior. Come to Jesus through baptism. He welcomes you into a covenantal community where you become family. And so we are no longer strangers with one another. We are brothers and sisters. Why do you wait? Come to him. Let's pray.